where you're going, what you're trying to be, what the destination is, where you're all headed together. And he said, most leaders do a very, very bad job. He said, you've got to see through the fog. Episode 191, the five competitive advantages of great leaders. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. Welcome to The Game Changers with 1.6 million listens and downloads and growing every week. This is the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential with Jason Jennings, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today bestselling author of eight books on leadership, growth, innovation, speed, and reinvention. Jason, great to be with you today. Uh, Dale, it's great to be back. And before you take the lead and set it up, uh, why don't you take a couple of minutes and tell everybody listening uh, what you've been doing the past week. Well, I've been working. You were off doing something else. We all have to play once in a while, right? So So tell us how you played. This uh, At the time of this recording, it's spring break. So I took the first part of uh, the spring break week with a group of guys and we rode adventure motorcycles through Death Valley, California, which is, I was at a place where I was almost 300 feet below sea level Yes, um, at the floor of Death Valley. It's really cool. It's salt. I mean, yes. the ground is white and there's a layer of water that we're told evaporates at about one inch a day during the heat of summer, but there's always water on the floor of Death Valley. So I'd never been before beautiful area. If you're into geology, want to see an amazing landscape, highly recommend it. So how many guys, how many guys, uh, five of us all together. All right. So, so what did you do? You, you, you trucked your bikes down from Idaho or yeah, I live in Idaho. So it was a 600 mile, uh, trip, uh, with a pickup hauling. Uh, we had four bikes on a trailer behind us. Another, there were a total of two vehicles going down. So, uh, trailered the bikes down and then we rode out of Beatty, Nevada, which is on the eastern side. It's basically 30 miles away from Death Valley National Park on the east side, right there at the California-Nevada border. And, and, and you guys you set up a base camp, or what did you do? Basically, out of a house, Airbnb to house. Yes. It was the nicest house in Beatty, Nevada. It's called the Beatty Mansion. And uh, airbnb beat it, and then rode out every morning and spent the day in the park and riding around and a lot of vertical feet climb because you climb up to about 5,000 feet and then drop to wow. the floor that's 300 feet below ground level. And one cool thing um, on Panamint Valley, which is on the California side, part of Death Valley, there's this place called Star Wars Traverse. And it's where the fighter jets come in and train on the valley floor. And these fighter jets pop over the, the top and dive into this really narrow canyon and then out exit out onto the valley floor. And did you get did you did you get to see this happen? You were right there and watched these fighter jets come over the top and dive into this canyon and it was awe-inspiring. So cool to see. And so, and so let me ask you a final question. So I, I've got this picture in my mind that in the evening there might have been some good food and a few uh, adult beverages. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So cigars, a little bit of uh, scotch and a lot of really good food. We had a, a friend, Abby, with us who um, loves to cook. And he, before the trip started, he said, listen, guys, do you mind if I do all the cooking and 
of course, we said, go <laughs> for it. And he had a gourmet meal for us each and every night that was off the charts. So it was a, it was a great time. When you put good people together and um, scenery like that, motorcycles, good food, it, you just can't help but have a lot of fun. You're just like my uh, my personal Indiana Jones. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was you, you certainly live life to the fullest. I mean, you really do. I think it's great. Anytime you get to experience something new, it's a lot of fun. So let's let's dive into today, the five competitive advantages of great leaders. And you told us before we hit the record button that it's it's really a sad story that reveals what we're going to learn today. Does it have a happy ending at least? Uh, I think so. Okay. I, I think it's got a happy ending. But what I will tell you is this. The message today is for anyone who leads anything, whether it's a small team of people, whether it's a unit, whether it's a division, whether it's your business, whether it's a company, and it's for anybody who ever aspires to lead anything. And it does begin with a sad story and one that unfortunately um, – I think is all too common in business. I I don't get to experience it very often. Uh, only a couple of times in my life. I think I told you this story years ago. That uh, I mean, probably a hundred podcasts ago, about the time that I had been uh, hired to uh, go to Australia and uh, conduct a two day session with the top. I would say there were fifty or sixty leaders of, of this huge Australian company. And uh, cell phones uh, or mobile phones were collected at that in the morning because this was going to be dead serious business. And uh, we entered the big conference room and the woman who was the CEO, a relatively new CEO, uh, got up and uh, started talking about what the day was going to be, what was meant to be accomplished. She set my credentials. She set the credentials of the other members of the team that I'd brought with me. And then she said, and I quote, and I'm not sure if you remember this. I, I'm sure I must have told you the story. She said, and so now this is the most important work this company will ever do. I am going to leave you to it. I'm going to go and do what CEOs do. And I can't wait to hear what you come up with. I yes, I remember you sharing and that she, story in the same. Well, I, I shared it in one of my books too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she just walked out. The door closed, and uh, one guy who would be eventually, in short order, become her successor in the back of the room stood up and said, "What the blank just happened?" And I mean, I remember my heart plummeted, my stomach was going, and I thought, "What?" How am I going to recover? What What is going to happen here? And so we took a, a short 15-minute break to try to figure out what to do. And, and it was kind of that experience I, I had again this week. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's a $2 billion company. Uh, they've been around for a long time. A new CEO came in two years ago. Uh, over those two years, um, in fact, early on in his tenure, uh, he hand-selected and recruited a team of leaders. And I would say this, uh, they've all got uh, good stories. They've all got good backgrounds. And like you and I talk about, they're all nice people. Everybody was very, very nice. Uh, but along the way, uh, the company has missed out on the greatest 10-year economic expansion in the history of the United States. Uh, they're basically where they were 10 years ago. There's been no growth. There's no been no improvement in share price. There's been no improvement in profit. In fact, it's it's degraded. I mean, it's it's kind of like standing still. And if you're standing still in business, you're actually going back, uh, backwards. But, but when I started asking the questions and probing, 
Um, where, where are you going? Uh, who and what are you trying to be? What, what's the target? What's the end game? I mean, I was probing every way I could. Dale, they all sat there like a bunch of cows being milked. I mean, there was, there were no answers to the questions. I mean, where are you going? Nobody knew. What are you trying to be? What's the target? What's the end game? I mean, it was like crickets, 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 crickets. And I got that sick, sick feeling, um, that sick feeling in my stomach that it was going to be a wasted day. Um, it was going to be wasted money on, on their part. And it was going to be wasted time uh, on on my part and on theirs. And uh, I immediately started thinking about the story of Pat Hasse of Allegheny Technologies, ATI. It's a, it's a great company. I wrote about ATI in one of my books. That's when I first got to know uh, Pat Hasse. And so Allegheny Technologies, ATI, what, what, what do they do? Uh, they're based in Pittsburgh. Well, what they are is they are a, a global manufacturer of, of technologically advanced specialty materials and complex components. Uh, the biggest market is aerospace and defense, uh, particularly for jet engines. Uh, they're also active in oil and gas, electrical energy, medical, automotive, and other industrial markets. And all of their products are, are specialty metals, basically, and components. So uh, nickel-based alloys and super alloys, titanium, uh, stuff that's way above my pay grade, uh, zirconium, and, and other related alloys. Now, what happened is uh, Pat Hasse basically got the job as CEO of Allegheny Technologies because nobody else wanted it. And, and here's what had happened. The company had existed for a long time, bumped along a solid, staid, uh, good corporate citizen in Pittsburgh. And then all of a sudden, the markets were being flooded with all of this other nickel and zirconium and titanium uh, that was coming from former uh, uh, former members of the Soviet Union who were mineral rich, and they were flooding the marketplace, flooding the marketplace with what they had. And so prices were going down, 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 and uh, Allegheny Technologies didn't know what to do. So half the company is saying, well, we have to beat them on price. But the reality is if we beat them on price, uh, there's going to be no margins. There's going to be no profitability. People were leaving in droves. I mean, it was um, uh, it was a mess. It was a mess. Pat Hasse came in, and uh, he took a look at the situation, and he said, so what am I going to do? Our market is being flooded with cheap imports. If we match or beat the prices, we will go upside down. What is our unique selling proposition going to be? What is it going to become? And he looked and he prodded and he talked to everybody and he studied. He talked to customers. And here's what he came up with. The problem with all of these specialty metals being imported and driving the market down was they were of dubious quality in, in, in many instances. And deliveries were unreliable. And so Pat Hasse said, we are going to build the number one specialty metals company in the world. We're going to base it totally on quality and reliability. And I mean, his attitude was, if you want to do business with these other folks, go ahead. It might not show up. And if it does show up on time, it might not be of a quality that you can use. And you might be stuck on a production line without having anything. But if that's, if that's the only thing that's important to you, that low price, you go ahead and take it. 
And so I, I still remember the day I was sitting in his Pittsburgh office and uh, I, he said, look, Jason, he said, there are several things that a leader has to do. And he proceeded to tell me. And so these are right out of the book. He said, first of all, a leader must be a destination agent, a travel agent. They've, they've got to communicate with everybody where you're going, what you're trying to be, what the destination is, where you're all headed together. And he said, most leaders do a very, very bad job of that. He said, you've got to see through the fog. He said, because everybody was convinced that what we had to do was to lower our prices, but the company would have gone out of business. We, we would not have existed. He said, so I had to be able to see through the fog and figure out I mean, that the vulnerability was the lack of quality and the lack of reliability on the parts of many of these specialty metals uh, being pushed into the marketplace. And he said, as you see through the fog, so see through the fog is number two. Number three, he said, you've got to see far enough to connect the dots. And then number four, he said, you have to make certain that everybody knows where the enterprise is headed and make certain everybody wants to go there. And he said, surprise, surprise. When I announced that we were going to become the number one specialty metals company in the world, and we were going to do it based on quality and reliability, he said there were some people here who said, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. He said, guess what? He said, I invited them along for the journey, but they had to leave. But then he said something else. He said, people don't want to wait forever to learn what the destination is. And then the capper, number six, he said, not knowing where you want to go means never knowing the steps to take to get there because there is no there there. <laughs> so a leader has to be a destination agent, whether you're leading a small team of people, whether you own a small business, a medium business, whether you're a CEO, whether you're a sales manager, whether you're a head of a unit, a head of a division, a head of a plant, a leader has to be the destination agent constantly talking about, here's where we're headed. Here's what we're trying to be. Here's what we want to be. Here's where we're going to go. Simultaneously, number two, a leader's got to be looking through the fog. I mean, just imagine what would have happened if Pat, Pat Hasse had caved in and given in to all the people who headed sales uh, at his organization and said, okay, we'll match their prices or we'll, or, or we'll beat their prices. The company would probably, well, certainly would no longer exist. You've got to connect the dots and the, t and the, the, the dots near and far for everyone. You've got to make certain that everyone knows where the enterprise headed and make certain that everybody wants to go there. And if they don't want to go there, it's not a simple act of firing them. It's simply saying, well, I'll tell you what, we're kind of at loggerheads here because that's where we're going. You don't want to go there with us. So therefore, we better find you something someplace else because we're not going to be dissuaded from going on that journey. But those two beautiful ones that he mentioned to me, he said, you know, people don't want to wait forever. People are anxious. They want to know where where, where an organization is headed. And he said, not knowing where you want to go means never knowing the steps to take to get there because there is no there. Um, and so that's, so what I did with this group is um, I said, look, it's obvious you need some help. Um, I think you want help. I am here to help. But what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to scrap what the plan was for today. And we've got to go back to kindergarten and first grade. We have to nail the basics. It would be a waste of your time. 
your money uh, and our resources to do what we thought we were going to do today. I mean, we have to nail these things. And that was what the rest of the day was. It was interesting. It was very interesting. Uh, First of all, there was a genuine sigh of relief. Um, And then people got enthusiastic. And as the day progressed, they got more and more on board. And I saw all of these aha moments happening. But but I had to say to myself, what the hell have they been doing? I mean, for two years, it was like leadership and management, no practice. Um, so I I was pretty stunned. And uh, now your inevitable question will be, uh, are they going to make it? Um, and that's all I thought about on the airplane coming back. I mean, can one day uh, change a company that had been lost and adrift with no destination. I hope so. I gave them the goods. Uh, I think they came to a great level of understanding by the end of the day. There seemed to be a lot of enthusiasm, a relief and enthusiasm. Uh, but I think they're going to have to be probably guided pretty carefully. So our work together does not just become that new shiny object. You know, I think to number two, see through the fog. And I'm reminded of that saying, a fish discovers water last. Right. Did did the group even realize they were in a fog? Yes, they did. Yeah, they did. Yep. Yep. They acknowledge that. And, and the CEO, I acknowledge that too. And it was, it was tough medicine for them to take because as I said, they're all nice people. They've all got nice backgrounds, but I mean, you just want to go, what, 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 what's been happening here? I mean, how can you be directionless? Uh, You're, if you're directionless, you're operating on the assumption that things will always be as they've been in the past. And it also addresses why they've lost a lot of bright talent, why they have high rates of turnover. I mean, so those ahas were taking place for them uh, throughout the day. And I have to believe, I mean, that some of these nice, bright people occupying senior roles, I mean, knew this, but uh, but they never took it upon themselves to uh, to step to the front and say, hey, where are we going? Where are we headed? What are we trying to be? Um, so, Will it work? Yes. But the day began with that sick feeling in your stomach going, oh, my God, what am I doing here? Mm. And to clarify, you started telling the story of the first experience you had in Australia when the CEO set the stage and then left the room. Right. In case this week, though, the CEO was fully engaged. Yes, and be, and, and, and became also had a big sigh of relief on his face and uh, uh, and became highly engaged uh, as uh, they all became highly engaged as, as the day wore on. And I mean, and, and they nailed it. They, they did finally nail who they are, where they're headed, what they're trying to be. And, and until you answer that, it's pretty tough to figure out the steps to take on, on how you're going to get there. I mean, you're just blindly embracing one tactic after another. So it was, uh, uh, it was a, a day that tested me. Mm. And 
your point number five, people don't want to wait forever. And well, that's not my point. That was Pat Hassey's point. Pat Hassey's and, I, point. and I've never forgotten when he told me that. <laughs> uh, along with number six, not knowing where you want to go means never knowing the steps to take. What happens when the leader has the vision, but doesn't cast it for the entire organization to know? Nothing. Well, nothing happens, and 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 unfortunately, that's what happens uh, in a lot of companies. And I am, um, I am more often than not dumbfounded when I come across an organization that doesn't say, uh, "This is where we're headed. This is what we're going to be. This is where we're going." I mean, to me, that's as elementary as uh, learning how to talk. Uh, or learning the alphabet. I mean, how, how can you ever hope to go any place unless you know where you want to go? And I'm, uh, you know, I was just thinking through the process. I, that was a setup question because we often hear of leaders not wanting to share that information because it is secret and they don't right. want the world to know. But then I think it was a Charles Koch story that you share where he gave you everything on the company, the full strategy. And yeah, I mean, I mean, he was, uh, uh, I, uh, to my recollection, I'm the first journalist or researcher who was writing a book, uh, that he had ever agreed to meet with. And, uh, I was at the company for three or four days. Um, no, I was there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I was going to be spending the day with him. And I remember how awkward the meeting began because I think he has an inherent distrust of, of people from the outside and those who are writing books and, and journalists, uh, cause he's been badly maligned so repeatedly in the media and, 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 and his feelings are just, I, I, I believe. And, uh, so it was a very kind of terse, there were lots of terse responses. And then finally, after about an hour, he started warming up and then he kind of became a teacher and he was really warmed up. And, uh, so by the time several hours into it, uh, he took this, uh, for those who've never heard the story, he took this big black book and he handed it to me, he slid it across the table. And I said, what's that? He said, that's our five-year plan. And, uh, he said, are you going home to California? And I said, yes. And he said, well, uh, take it with you. And I said, well, do you want me to sign a non-disclosure agreement? He said, no, take it home, read it, make copies, give it to whoever you want. And uh, he said, the more people who have the knowledge, I mean, it's the more likely you're going to have flawless execution. Mm-hmm. He knew the destination. He could see uh, through the fog. I mean, it's all those points you've made. Exactly. But the, but they were never as well-spoken as they were uh, as by as they as they were by Pat Hassey. I mean, I so I had to go digging through uh, one of my books to find them, and, and and they were all there in one paragraph. And I thought, gee whiz, what a powerful paragraph! Why didn't I make that a chapter? I mean, why isn't that a book? Um, in 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 one short paragraph, it was his response to the question. And then, of course, I was right back there sitting in his office in Pittsburgh. I mean, enjoying our time together, and uh, so. Anyway, so that's what I've got for you today. That definitely leaves us on a happy note, despite the uh, the difficult situation you set up as the premise for the conversation. So thank you for that. Any final thoughts for us? Uh, yeah, I, and in fact, the final thought came to me just a, a half hour ago. I was sitting here knowing you always ask the question, any final thoughts? 
And, uh, and I, I always try to have something uh, to give you and something to give people. And for some reason, it popped into my mind that a few years ago, uh, I, I was in Istanbul and they have this huge one day event uh, at the convention center in Istanbul, which is a city I love, by the way. And it's called Retail Days. And so everybody involved in retail takes part in this huge, big trade show and all of these speeches and uh, the media cover it. I mean, it's a, it's a huge event. And uh, I don't know if I've ever told you this. Um, I was, do you know who I shared the stage with? No. Pele. Wow. It was just an honor to be in Pele's presence and spend time with Pele. And so we were the two main speakers for the event. And so I was sitting in the front row. I'd spoken. I was the morning uh, speaker. He was the afternoon speaker. I was sitting in the front row beaming. I mean, how can you not beam when you're in the presence of somebody like that? And he said some, one thing that was very, very simple. He said, no one can win a game by himself. Hmm. And I thought, you know, I just love the simplicity of those words. Nobody, no one can win a game by himself. So, and uh, of course, the uh, my basketball team, the Warriors, are proving that this year. <laughs> Go out and find a great team. That's what yeah. it's all about and equip your team. So the five points you gave us today are fantastic. Thank you for that. Um, I'll remind why, why, why don't you review them one more time? One, one more time. Yeah. So a leader must be a destination agent. See through the fog, see far enough to connect the dots, both near and far. Make certain that everyone knows this is your team, where the enterprise is headed and make sure that everyone wants to go there. Exit the people who don't want to go where you're going. People don't want to wait forever to hit that destination. And it's important that you realize that when your organization doesn't know where you want to go, that means never knowing the steps to take to get there because there is no there there. You've got to have a plan. Yeah. And can I make one more comment? Please. This applies to every, presumably everyone that listens to the podcast is either a leader or aspires to be a leader. And so what we've talked about today applies to you. Whether you're a sales manager, a team leader, you own a small business, uh, you run a medium-sized business, I don't care. Any if, if you lead a group of people or if you aspire to lead a group of people, this information was for you. Use it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are five points to post and always keep in mind as you lead. Thank you so much. And by the way, uh, Jason loves to have uh, receive emails. So if you have an example, a story to share about how you have lived out these five points and it's grown your leadership, please share it with Jason. The address is jason at jason-jennings.com. Jason at jason-jennings.com. It's also the website to visit if uh, you'd like to learn more about how to have Jason keynote one of your events jason-jennings.com. While you're online, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can do it in your 
podcast player or do it really easily at the website jason-jennings.com slash itunes while you're there if you would rate and review this podcast we would be most grateful when you do that it makes it easier to find for those who are looking for this type of content jason jennings is the author who usa today has called one of the three most in-demand business speakers in the world learn how your group or company can have jason keynote your next event visit the website jason-jennings.com This is The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. You've been listening to The Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason.jennings.com. Jennings.com.